nice to see you. It's uh, lovely to see more people uh, here in the sanctuary week by week. And we trust that in the summer we will see people we haven't seen for some time. So those of you back for the first or second time, it's a real joy to see you here worshipping again with us here at East Baptist Church. Now, throughout my life, I've enjoyed war movies. Please forgive me. They were some of my favourite movies when I was growing up. And I remember my dad taking me to a number of them when they first came out. The Longest Day in the early 60s. 633 Squadron. 300 Spartans. And of course, that somehow has developed a, a, a love in, in war movies. Saving Private Ryan, Band of Brothers, the old movies with John Wayne, The Sons of Iwo Jima. Maybe some of you might remember that one. And in some of these war movies, such as Saving Private Ryan, The Sons of Iwo Jima, Flags of My Father's, Clint Eastwood, they're, they're about an invasion. They're about a landing. They're about making a beachhead so that the troops could move on from there. A beachhead, a landing ground. And this, of course, uh, those of you who've seen Saving Private Ryan, uh, the first 30 minutes of that movie is all about that. It's not for the uh, tame of heart. I'm not recommending it to those of you uh, who uh, maybe not like that sort of thing. But you know, for an invasion to happen, there needs to be a beachhead. It's a simple, simple concept. No place to land, no place to advance. That was D-Day, and that were the D-Days in the Pacific campaign in World War II as well. And I'm taking that as a sort of illustration, if you like, of what we need to do with the gospel. Because people have moved away from understanding the gospel today. We've already noted in this series that there is a growth in secularism. Not always atheism, but secularism. Relativism. In other words, I can make up my own God, my own morals, my own this, my own that. And people have moved away. So if we are going to teach the gospel and reach people, we need a beachhead. We need to land somewhere that we can advance with this message. Jesus is very clear about the importance of reaching out. Matthew 28, 19. Therefore... Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. But yet, we've got this gap. We've got this gap. In the 1950s, 1940s, Billy Graham could come to an area. I think he came to Boston. I don't know how many of you uh, went to that. Was it in there? Some who went to the Billy Graham in Boston? Oh, a few of you. Oh, interesting. And, you know, everyone would turn up and everyone would know what was going on. They might not all be believers, but they would understand what is going on. So if you just got a big name coming, people would come and they'd, they'd think about it. And they all held certain beliefs in common. Most people believed 
generally in some sort of God. Most people believed in the reality of sin, and most people believed in forgiveness, although they disagreed as to how that forgiveness may be given. Yet this is not the case today. I don't know how many of us were brought up to go to Sunday school. I'm just going to do a straw poll here as a matter of interest. How many of us were brought up to go to Sunday school? Uh, most of us. Most of us. Today, that's not the case. People in their 20s, 30s, and 40s today, lots of them have never been to church at all. There's a huge gap. You can't just preach to them the old-fashioned gospel. I believe in an old-fashioned gospel, as you know. I believe in the Bible, the inspired word of God. But in order to reach people with that message today, we must be aware that they're so far, there's such a big gap between us and them. Now, let me make it very, very clear. There are all kinds of beachheads, all different kinds of beachheads. Not one of us will have exactly the same beachhead. But we all need to land when we share the gospel with other people. We need to land in their lives. We need to land in their minds. We need to land within the compass and scope of their thinking. And I want to look today at just one or two areas of beachheads. But the most important one is the first one. And I want to share this with you because I think this is really, really important. The first beachhead we have with other people is the doctrine of the Imago Dei. Oh, you think, what in the Dickens is he talking about? The image of God. The Bible teaches that each and every one of us are made in the image of God. That includes you, okay? You are made in the image of God. Probably you don't feel like that this morning. I don't know. But you are. You are. Genesis 1, verse 27, key thought in the Bible. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God invented us. He made humanity. And the image of God has been defined in lots of different ways. Inbred morality, capacity to love, looking for meaning in life, choosing, making, not just going by instinct, but by choice. Something in us that seeks the divine. In other words, the Bible says that we are more than just an animal. Now, I've spoken about this a number of times in the church. I love animals. I'm not against animals. Please. Please. But we are not just animals. We are human beings. And we have that humanity in common with people who are Christians and non-Christians. And it's a beachhead for us to reach other people. Because however far they might be from the gospel, they are still made in the image of God. There is still a basic humanity for each and every one of us. Colossians speaks of the image of God, and the only perfect image of God is Jesus himself. 
He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. He is a perfect image. We're not. I'm not. Ask my wife. I'm not. Not perfect image. Don't need to go there. You know yourself. Fall short. Absolutely. But yet, each and every one of us in this room and outside, Christian, non-Christian, Muslim, Hindu, atheist, we have our humanity in common. One of my favorite quotes, I've got a few favorite quotes that I put on a t-shirt. One of them is from the Latin writer Terence, uh, writing about in the second century BC. I won't say it in Latin because I can't understand Latin, but here we are. I am a man. I count nothing human foreign to me. I am a man. I count nothing human foreign to me. In other words, I share, I have in common with the world around me my humanity. And I believe that's one of the key bridgeheads for the gospel in this day and age. When I go back to Wales, and do you know, I'm sort of promising myself I might even go back in August if the place is open. You know, I'm not going back to COVID. But, um, you know, if, it, if it's really open and I can go and see my friends, I might be tempted to go back then. But when I go back to Wales, it's, it's so much fun. And one of the places I love to go is a place called St. Fagans. And in St. Fagans, they have all old houses and you go back in time sort of thing and you go and visit. And I was there uh, two years ago. And one of the guides was there, and I began to talk to one of the guides, and he was very interesting, and I noted his accent. And it was clear that his accent was from Bangor, when I went to university. And I said, that's a Bangor accent, you know. And in Bangor, they speak like this, you know. It's a funny, different accent to, to what I speak in the South. And I noted this accent. I said, I, I was in college, I was five years in Bangor. And he said, where were we? I was in Balabanga College. Oh, he said, my father was the principal of the college. One of the people who'd influenced me so much in my life and my love of history and theology. It was wonderful to have this connection. In Wales, you meet someone and you're trying to find something in common before the conversation goes further. Who do you know? Do you know so-and-so? Oh, I know so Oh, you know so Hey, you're accepted. You're accepted. We're looking for things in common. And other nationalities do that as well. It's like being a Welshman abroad. Whenever, if I ever, I hardly ever hear a Welsh accent in Massachusetts. It's incredibly rare. But when I do, bing! Even when I hear an English accent or a Scottish or an Irish accent, I get all excited. I get all excited. I say, oh, where are you from? Where are you from? I go, oh, I'm in, I, I love it. And there's a connection there. We have connections. We are people who look for connections. And all people look for some sort of connection. And the connection we have with the world around us is that we are human beings. All of us. Each and every one of us. The people you don't get on with are human beings. Like you. Like you. We are human beings. And you know, 
The church sometimes has got this wrong. Let me explain what I mean. Listen carefully. I don't want you to misunderstand. I was often told, as a young Christian, what's your testimony? Don't let anyone who's not a Christian know anything bad about you. Because if they know anything bad about you, then they won't believe the gospel. So, you know, don't, don't remember your testimony. Remember your testimony. And you know, there's a place for that. There is a place for that. I think it's so devastating to the church when church leaders live a hypocritical life. Or leaders within the nation, Christian leaders within the nation, uh, are fall into immorality or financial corruption, misuse of power. We see it all too often. And it's no good, and it's terrible. I'm not talking about that. Not talking about that. What I am talking about is that as Christians, I think we should be open about some of our weaknesses, even with non-Christians, and not pretend. Not pretend that everything goes right. And I really believe it's, open. it's key for us, in order to make a beachhead to this generation, to just be open about our struggles, our weaknesses, our mistakes, where we've got it wrong. I want to say the doctrine that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God counts. And I'm going to use that to build a bridgehead to the, to, the, to the people around me. Because they know what sin is, and I know what sin is. I know what weakness is. I know what worry is. They also know that. We share that. So we have a platform to begin to talk. Paul did that. That's where we had the reading from Romans 7. But listen, listen to him firstly in 1 Timothy. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. Whoa, 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 what? What do you say, Paul? Don't spoil your testimony, Paul. Don't spoil it. I'm the worst. He began by saying early on in his life that he was the least of the apostles. Then he, later on in his life, he said, I'm, I'm the least of believers. And here he says, I'm the worst of sinners. He's open. He is open. And then that struggle with sin in Romans 7. For I have the desire, said Paul, to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. I know that. I know that. Non-Christians sometimes know that. We share that. For what I do is not the good I want to do, nor the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Sometimes, I think the church needs to be honest. We all struggle. And instead of sharing the gospel with double headlights <laughs> in people's faces, we should dip those headlights and be honest, and be honest in some of our struggles. Our humanity is the fragile bridge that we can walk over into the world around us. I remember going to see someone in hospital, and I knew, I didn't know what I could talk about with this person. I had very little in common with her. So I thought, oh, what am I going to talk about? What, 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 I'd be sitting there, you know. <laughs> All right? Yeah. Oh, so what did you eat today? <laughs> you know, 
I thought, oh, I, I. So I went to see her, and I didn't know what to say. And then I thought, tell me about your life. Tell me about your life. You know, this person was so different to me, living different worlds practically. Our interests were very, very different. I sat down, and you know, we talked. I realized I was guilty of not seeing her humanity until that time. And I learned something big. We are all human beings. We all go through some of the same struggles, and that's the bridge that we must use. That's the bridge that God uses in incarnation. He comes in the flesh, and the church needs to come into the flesh. I know Jesus came in perfect flesh, but we come in imperfect flesh. It's the best we can do. But it's incarnation. We need to come and at times show our vulnerability. Uh, I used to uh, be asked to speak at the seminary in the pastoral class. And the, the thing they would give me would be the, the, Christ, the pastor as human. That was, my, that was my talk for half an hour. The pastor as a human being. And in that class, I used the illustration of wearing masks. Now, we all know what mask wearing is, <laughs> all right? But you know, time and time again, I know in Wales this was true. I remember when the minister used to visit our home in Wales. The pastor would come to visit my grandmother who lived with us. When he knocked the door, and we knew it was, it was as if a siren went off in the house. My father would put his cigarette out, you know, all right? The kids would go tidy this up, put this there, put this there, and everyone, everyone was fumbling for their masks. For their masks. And the pastor would come in and put on his mask. Because he was a pastor, so he had a pastor's mask. And they'd sit down drinking tea through their masks. Sharing niceties. When life is not just nicety. And sometimes the church has done that. The time will come when we won't have these masks that we need to wear. But let's not put on false masks onto our humanity. Because that will lead to deeper relationships one with another. That doesn't mean to say you share everything with everyone. I'm not talking about that. You know what I'm talking about. The world is full of mask wearers. The media, social media especially, People create their mask on social media, on Facebook. They put their most attractive self <laughs> on Facebook. And, and that's okay to do. It's all right. That's okay. But you know, that, that's a mask. That's a mask. We want to go further than that mask. We want a genuine reality inside. And that includes everything. That includes a deep, a deep walk with Jesus. It includes an honesty about who we are. 
It includes the word, and I talked about this a number of months ago, maybe you remember, the word godly. Godliness. When I became a believer in 1974, I met a number of the converts of the Welsh Revival of 1904. And I met a number of these people who've been saved in that revival, now in their late 80s, and a number of people who were saved through them and through their witness. And you know, they had a deep, deep reality. They didn't wear masks. They, they had a deep reality of their humanity, but also of that relationship they had with God. I remember them. Uncle Eddie. <laughs> Maybe someone in Wales. <laughs> Some people listen to me in Snethley. Uncle Eddie from the Morva Gospel Hall. Genuine. Through and through. Through and through. Auntie Lizzie. Uncle Tom. Why do I say uncle and auntie? Because they were close. We were close to one another. We cared for one another. They cared for me. Uncle Tom would come to me on Sunday morning and he would say, Kevin, I pray for you every day. What? What? They had something. They, did, they didn't have a mask. They had a deep reality. They realized their own sinfulness, but they realized the reality of God as well. And it's so important for us, not just to believe Christian things, but actually to act out Christian things. Not just putting them on and taking them off. Because that is part of our recreated humanity. We link with people who fall short. Of course we do. But also we can show something of the reality of God I don't usually go uh, shopping for clothes uh, with my wife. I'm not one for uh, clothes shopping. When I go shopping for clothes, I insist she comes with me um, because I'm, I'm, not, I'm not very good. I like my food shopping, and that, that's great. But very often, uh, maybe some of you men have uh, gone uh, shopping uh, with your wives, your girlfriends, or whatever, and one uh, universal thing that happens is that your wife or whatever will, 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 will bring a dress and she will say, what do you think? What do you think? And I can remember that happening to me a number of times. What do you think, Kevin? What do you think? Do you know what I would answer? Put it on! <laughs> Put it on! I don't know! <laughs> Put it on! And you know, we need to put on the new humanity that Christ has given us. Put it on. Because that's where the attraction is. Otherwise, it's an empty dress. Put it on. Not like a mask. But as a real walk with the Lord. Our link, a key link. A B shed into the world around us. It's a very simple beachhead. It's our humanity. It's weakness, 
and its strength and beauty in the new relationship we have with Christ. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you made us special. You have a purpose for us. You made us in your own image. We fall short and we break that image. The mirror, as it were, is cracked. We understand. Forgive us. And Lord, lead us to yourself. Bless us in the week to come. In Jesus' name. Amen.